The greatest feeling you can get in a gym is the pump. Let's say you train your biceps. Blood is rushing into your muscles, and that's what we call the pump. The pump. The pump. Your muscles get a really <laughs> tight feeling, like your skin is going to explode any minute. You know, it's really tight. It's like somebody blowing air into, into your muscle. It just blows up, and it feels different. It, it feels fantastic. The pump. It's as satisfying to me as uh, coming is, you know, as uh, having sex with a woman and coming. The pump. I'm like uh, getting the feeling of coming in the gym. I'm getting the feeling of coming at home. I'm getting the feeling of coming backstage when I pump up, when I pose out in front of 5,000 people. I get the same feeling. So I'm coming day and night. The pump. I mean, it's terrific, right? <laughs> the pump. So, you know, I'm in heaven. Hello and welcome back to this bonus episode of Trash Future, that podcast you're listening to right now. Yeah, we've all got our pump on. We've all got our <laughs> pump, pump on. Yeah, podcasting to me, it's as satisfying as coming. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I'm 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 Riley and I've been doing uh, bicep curls all day by loading mm. my backpack with uh, really big cookbooks and then curling it using a, uh, a dish towel. Yeah, I find working on my biceps always makes me come, but that's because the way I work on my biceps is by jacking it furiously. <laughs> um, we're also joined by Alice. Yep, uh, thinking about getting a weighted vest for running in, but not wanting to get shot by armed police. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and we are also joined uh, by three-peat returning champion, certified big guy, mm. uh, Patrick Wyman, the host of the Tides of History podcast, one of the writers of the Discontents Letter on Substack, and all-around um, beast of the gym. <laughs> all-around pumped guy. Uh, all-around pumped guy. The world's most pumped historian. Yeah, Patrick, welcome to Big It's, it's good to be here. And uh, as is only appropriate, I am wearing a shirt with no sleeves. No sleeves here. Oh, no, of course. Awesome. Yes, absolutely. Uh, if you, we have actually, we're going to start doing a new size for the Trash Future T-shirts, uh, which is if you can do from small to double XL and then big guy, and big guy is just XL with no sleeves. Should we do it? Should we do a Trash Future muscle vest with those like really thin straps that exactly run over your nipples, and like the actual V of the vest is like slightly below your yeah. pecs? Oh yeah, so you yes. can see your areola. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Like you're one of the like you're one of the uh, many well drawn female characters in the 2013 Michael Bay um, meaningful movie, the small movie he did for himself. You know, you do the Transformers, you do that for the money. But when you're Michael Bay, you do the roided up, fake titted, uh, coked out Miami thriller. Pain and gain as your artistically satisfying uh, venture. Beautiful this movie segue. was like someone had given the Coen Brothers a lobotomy. <laughs> like that was what it. It had like I, I, it had I was, that basic vibe, but just in a dumb so guy similar. way. I was I was talking on the phone to Riley before we recorded this, and what I said was, "This is uncut gems if the Safdie brothers both had serious head injuries." <laughs> so, uh, in the tradition of TF, what we've done is we've taken we we've asked because basically you. Patrick, Patrick, I have Patrick came on um, a few months ago, and we talked about what it means to be an empire, what decline means, what are the contradictions of that system, 
And then we said, that was so fun. Let's do a fun movie next time. But then history kept happening. Mm. And so we were like, okay, well, maybe let's go down a level instead. And let's talk about the mezzo level. Let's talk about institutional rot, what it means for a widespread collapse in institutional legitimacy. And we said, next time we'll do a movie. Yeah. Uh, or Francis Fukuyama, if you're listening to this, you really do need to return my calls about why history keeps happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I, I realized we could combine our sort of three image analysis, our macro system level, meso institution level, micro individual level of what it means to be a failing society mm. uh, with this uh, promise to Patrick to finally do a movie. Yeah, by doing a movie produced by a failing society. Yeah. Exactly. This week, this week we're on the meze level, enjoying some small plates while we talk about this movie. Yeah, so, um, I'm I've got a few a few things to uh to sort of lead us in, but before I do, just like a quick summary up front, I want to go around. I'm handing you all a little stuffed vine leaf, mm. and I'm asking you to say, what is your your, your one-sentence reflection on having watched the 2013 action comedy Mixed Reviews masterpiece starring Mark Wahlberg and The Rock, Pain and Gain, starting with Patrick. Patrick, your soup song. So, Pain and Gain was absolutely brilliant in that it captured a very specific subset of both American pathology and fitness culture that intersect in some really weird ways with consequences that have become, like, markedly more important in the last four years so i thought this was actually the perfect movie to watch alice like watching every gta 5 cutscene stitched together for <laughs> an hour and 45 minutes just a deeply facile analysis of this type of guy uh -huh. well, damn what if society was all crimes though what i think is really mm. interesting right is that wayne crimes is, is that essentially I, I is that I think um, Michael Bay has and I've I've said this a couple of times to to you guys sort of before the recording, if if Paul Verhoeven makes movies that are supposed to be evocative of the movies that a fascist society would make, Starship yeah, Troopers, favorite, and RoboCop, and Showgirls. Oh, oh fuck all that! Yeah, my favorite movie, Showgirls. Yeah, uh, uh, excellent movies because of what they're doing. Michael Bay has just in trying to make a good and meaningful movie made the kind of movie a fascist society would make because. Fill in the blank. Yeah. Wh whom can say? Yeah. Uh, Milo. Uh, I I'm going to give you what I think the tagline of this movie should have been, which is, you've heard of Dudes Rock, now for Some Dudes and the Rock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's right. That's exactly it. So, but for a little bit of context, a little bit of vegetables before we start talking about, you know, uh, mm. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg uh, self-helping himself through yeah, a, a bunch of shootouts in Miami. A protein shake, if yeah. you will. A, a yes. protein shake before our other protein shake. Yeah, we're, do we're doing some creatine and some amino acids yeah, exactly. before so, the main meat. So what we're doing, yeah, we're doing a creatine stack before our mental workout, uh, which we will be followed, of course, uh, by a protein shake. Mm. Um, Patrick, you recently wrote an article that I think actually dovetails quite neatly with our um with with what we're talking about for your substack perspectives past present and future um on american gentry a lower power in the social order i want to know can you tell us a little bit about like who are these the individuals who are overseeing uh social collapse these this cacocracy tell us about the strip mall gem yeah, freaks so there's so there's I think the biggest point of overlap between a movie like Pain and Gain and the very specific kind of fitness subculture that it describes, I've, I've spent a lot of time in my life in gyms. Like, I, I love gyms. I'm like, I am absolutely a bro. Like, these are my people. You're a big guy. These are, these are my people. 
Like I, I know them. Um, I have spent many, many, many years mm-hmm. around them where that dovetails with the piece that I wrote about American gentry, who are kind of the local elites of the United States that just exist all over the place in, you know, fast food franchise ownership. Um, people who own jet ski, jet ski dealerships. dealerships, car dealerships are kind of the are, are like kind of the baseline thing that just exists everywhere. If you own a car dealership, you belong to the gentry class. And they are people whose ownership of assets places them at the top of a of a local and sometimes a regional hierarchy. They're not cosmopolitan elites. These are not people who are hanging out and, and like jetting off to and jetting off to like world destinations kind of just because they want to do that. Mm. Like they're people who are They've never even joined the K. No, they've ne- they have they are completely uh, separate from that. But but there are people who believe very strongly in hierarchy. Generally speaking, that their that their place as the owners of these assets makes them the leaders in some sense, or the people who are supposed to wield power and influence in local society. And they do that through their control of assets, but also because they know the people who run the local water rights board. Um, they serve on local philanthropy boards. They, you know, they they have seventy seven employees. Uh, like these are the positions that, at a local level, give them power and wealth and influence. And we're not talking about billionaires, but they're people who have millions or tens of millions of dollars in assets. And there are a lot more of them than mm-hmm. there are of the kind of like elites that we tend to focus on. That you know, people who own uh, people who own multinational corporations or like the Walton family. Like oligarchs matter, but so do local oligarchs. And there's this is this kind of broad class of owners who, in the aggregate, uh, I think they're probably the Trumpiest demographic in the United States who exert mm. an, a tremendous amount of influence over local politics and in the aggregate over national politics. You, you could say there's so local. many of them that they're polygarchs. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. The uh, the kind of like local neighborhood watch yeah. tyrant. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, this is a powerful type of guy, right? I immediately like this is the kind of guy like the who's boaters sharing for Trump. That yeah, they're sharing deviant R ass looking memes on Facebook that say stuff like "In a world of sheep, be the yes. wolf." Oh yeah, absolutely. Like there is nothing. Every single one of these guys. This is one thing that this movie doesn't talk about, talk about or speak to, but it's a later phenomenon than this movie, which is that like every single one of those guys now thinks they're a cop. Um, uh-huh. Like because of the like mainstreaming of tacticalness and stuff, you can be like a car dealership guy and have a thin blue line flag on your truck. Mm. At one po- uh, at one point in the film, uh, and we'll get into this. Mark Wahlberg, when challenged by a gun store owner, just effortlessly lies and says he's Tampa PD. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> However, what we're um, what I I think you know, what we should probably what we should probably do is tell people what they're ac- what they're actually listening to, what this movie actually is. It's called a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's called a podcast. Mm. No, so um, basically, in the ni- early 1990s, there was a group of criminals called the Sun Jim Gang. It mm. was led by a guy called Daniel Lugo, and they were about sort of five in real life. There were about five to seven guys. I couldn't believe it when I worked out this was all real. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's not really like yeah. Yes, so it does. It is inspired by these events, but they were basically They've just been hammered into shape. Yeah, 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 yeah. provide Michael Bay's fucked narrative of ah. Seems like there's some problems with the American dream. <laughs> oh yeah, Michael Bay has no idea the story he's actually telling. But in real life, these guys, and we're not interested in, in in real life. This is just contextual. Um, this was just a group of violent violent sociopaths that were not bumbling, harmless self help junkies. Uh, they were just a group of violent sociopaths who happened to be really big. Yeah, 
they are welcome to all you're going to really hear about the real life Sun Jim gang because yeah. they're not interested. They were just some buff dudes. For you. Yeah. Exactly. For they you. were buff evil dudes. Mm. And so what Michael Bay's movie is all about his version of the Sun Jim gang where they are uh, I guess a group of buff guys who are ad- who are addicted to like the himbos, they're, but they're addicted to self help, yes. and they they love the idea of the American dream and improvement, and they're all tactical, and they they love using operator language, and you get to see them stumble and bumble their way through a series of like well meaning trying not to hurt anyone, kidnappings and crimes. Where they're which is very quest. funny when the like actual yeah. uh, thing that they have to like hammer this into is kidnapping a dude, torturing him, and then murdering two people. Yeah, and what and their quest was to join the American local gentry. They want to steal the life of a man who owns a sandwich shop and another couple of small businesses, and who has a house worth a couple million dollars, basically. Yeah. So, it's very, it's very like cute, and it's like like low ambition. <laughs> and so, uh, and so, with the the three main characters, uh, uh, Paul Doyle, Daniel Lugo, and Adrian Dorball, the three of them. It, this was made in 2013, but for me, it felt out of time because mm-hmm. if, if this, if these characters now. All like it reminded me not so much Patrick as you brought up of um the super Trumpy male stripper and UFC enthusiast who sent all those non-functional male bombs to like DNC bigwigs. Yeah, this is this is exactly that demographic. The thi- the the bodybuilding aspect to this is like eye catching, quite literally. But if this were ta- if the if this story were taking place in 2017 or tw- or 2020, they would be either CrossFit guys or like MMA enthusiasts. Like the the fact like mm. the bodybuilding thing, as with so much of fit of the fitness subculture, is not about like getting big or getting jacked. It's about like exerting some sense of of control over self and the world. And like the venue for that doesn't actually matter that much. Like they would all be like tactical fitness guys now. You know, like they that's oh, yeah. the, the like the the fact yeah. that they're bodybuilders. Three is, dudes all called Magomed who have big square beards. Yeah. <laughs> well, well the, it's very interesting that Riley, you mentioned like Lugo in this movie uses tactical language. He's like, well, we're gonna ascertain the tactical veracity of the premises and the location and stuff, because that's a little hint of what's to come. But all of these guys, like n- cop is not part of their identity, tier one operator is not part of their identity, as it would be now i think mm. uh, it's it's just kind of this thing that they can use for like scams or ego but like it's not ingrained in the same way and so i my, my thinking right is again fa- if these if you fast forward take these characters which we'll, we'll we'll get through the story if you fast forward them now one would probably have a QAnon facebook page and like be about to take on a deep red district in the florida panhandle mm. as like at least a state senator oh absolutely yeah yeah uh, like they, 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 one, at least one of them would be Greg Stubbe. Yeah, it's just Greg Stubbe. Yeah, yeah, this is complaining to Mark Zuckerberg that his his posts aren't getting enough faves instead yeah, this of doing is, this. Greg this Stu- is what they should be doing. Greg, Greg Stubbe, Stubbe should be doing this. Greg Stubbe is like, what if everything in this guy's light had gone right by accident, and so he <laughs> does have a house worth a couple of million dollars, and he's just like completely happy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, so I mean I think that's kind of the that's kind of the key point is like these guys are bumbling idiots but like what they reflect 
at a very basic level, I think, in, in their portrayal in the movie and in Michael Bay's world, which he is kind of unconsciously showing us, the idea that some people are better than others and just that hierarchy is a thing that we should all get used to and like. Now, like what make what puts somebody at a spot on the hierarchy is a matter of is like that's going to be a matter for debate. I think like even the gentry class that's that is at the top of this hierarchy through no actual doing of their own purely because they've inherited assets and position like they would like to believe that they've done something to deserve to be there. And the reason why the fitness thing fits so beautifully and why it, I think it actually works in this movie is because it's the belief that they're doing the improvement themselves. It's the like they are literally mm. working their way up the social scale, up the socioeconomic scale by working out. Like, yeah, well, that's that's the movie's indictment yeah. of them, too, is that they don't do the hard work, that they cheat, that they try to take the easy way, the get rich quick way, as if there is a not like as if there is a hard yes. way up. Yeah, they should have done what the Rockefellers did and gone to college, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if I, with that, I think that's a perfect time to start out at the beginning yeah. of the movie. John D. Rockefeller was just a really jacked dude. <laughs> he was so big. Yeah. We're, OK, so we start out. Um. As and carrying all that money around. My name is Daniel Lugo, and I believe in fitness. Now, we start with the end of the movie where he's running away from some cop cars. First of all, that's my Tinder bio. Yeah. Um, and he works at a personal tra- as a personal trainer at the Sun Gym, but he's running away from like an intensely militarized police force, one that probably wasn't so militarized in 94, but Michael Bay has no concept of history. He says, we all start out equal, little blobs of blood and muscle. It's awesome potential. Most people never develop that potential, but I knew early on I was not most people, because if you're willing to do the work, you can have anything. That's what makes the USA great. When the USA started, it was a handful of scrawny colonies. Now it's the most buff, pumped up country on the planet. Cool. Yeah. So do, does that not sound to you like it comes from like a Dan Crenshaw ad? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, like, <clears throat> this is like... The thesis of this movie is that that is basically correct. It's just that this guy yes, I, is I, I, too I, selfish, is too dumb to actually get the gains the right yeah, way. It never, it never occurs to yeah. Michael Bay that like there may be something wrong with a conception of society where these guys would think that their way to the top is by committing double murder and extortion and kidnapping. Like that, w- that what's wrong is is the way that they try to get there. Not like the goal of that the goal of joining the local gentry. There's something wrong with it, <laughs> like that, or that there's something wrong with a society yeah. where like you can think, hmm, if I just lie and cheat and steal my w- and murder my way to get to this point, then I'll then I'll have done it. Yeah, I would say that the, the politics of this movie they're not exactly right wing, but they're like intensely liberal. Yeah. Like they they they're evocative of like a very like lazy liberalism of like a guy who lives on the west coast like Michael Bay. Well, Michael Michael <laughs> well, Bay I, it's I a, it's, it's a specific kind of like west coast conservatism because Michael Bay is pretty conservative. Like he is not a he's not a lib. Uh and the and in this conception of west coast conservatism, like the hierarchy matters a lot where the mm. and and the idea of having earned your way into it matters a lot. Like it's much more kind of um self-consciously meritocratic than I than I think mm. higher than I think like gentry hierarchies or like success hierarchies are elsewhere in the United States because everybody in there is no like old money in the West, you know? So even if you if even if it is generational wealth, you have to kind of believe that you've done it yourself. And I think that's the and I think that's kind of key to understanding the Michael Bay viewpoint. Mm. Mm. Well it's that he um because the the whole point, right, is 
And I think there there's two ways to see the politics of this film, right? There is, Patrick, as you say, on the overt level, it is a West Coast conservative story about someone who does not understand the usefulness of the hierarchy and tries to sneak his way to the top by imitating the urban gentry. Um, and then I think, but I think there is at a base level, another, an, another politics, which is the portrayal of the portrayal of, um, especially with Michael Bay, like the, the, the very fun portrayal of lurid violence, the, um, the, the sensibility of these characters, of these characters is nevertheless like, um, cool if bumbling. And also just the, the anticipation, I think of the. Uh, type of guy who is a, a senator despite having lost all of his money in Iraqi dinars in 2017 <laughs> because mm. he is so relentlessly positive as a as a as a streak on top of unbelievable cruelty yeah. and it's, I think it's fact- very much GTA like it's yeah. the exact same sensibility the mix of like violence played for comedy and then like uh, oh, we did too much violence. Yeah, and but I think the it, and also you can the fact that like the actual Sun Jim Gang's crimes were refigured as goof em ups. Mm. Um, well, again, these are people like kidnapped and tortured yeah. people. But the fact that these crimes are reconfigured refigured by Michael Bay as goof em ups, the goof em ups of some of some silly goofs who were just sort of happily bumbling through a bunch of incompetencies. Mm. It's kind of the you almost it's the same sort of logic where people talk about how America is always um uh being oh being bumbling into wars in the Middle East or whatever. Well, if it, it, if a- America is the most jacked up buff country in the world and the jacked up buff guys we see in the movie are these sort of innocent himbos, what does that tell mm. us about America? Yeah, and it's yeah. it's it is a a combination of happiness that masks a lot of cruelty that both that's actually and that's what this film's portrayal of the historical events is. It's bum it's bumbling well-meaning um doofuses actually masking a <laughs> doing yeah. doing Iraq war revisionism yeah. on a, a double murder in Florida is <laughs> the most Michael Bay doing a serious movie thing I could Someone imagine. Someone explaining like the transatlantic slave trade to the personified United States and just going, yo, that's crazy. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's they should they should like find the guys that did that, yo. And that's like but that's so perfect. That's a, that's such a great point because it's the casting makes it impossible for you to understand these events as the like the actual horrors that they are because it's the rock you can't see the rock as an actual bad guy like it's mark Wahlberg. like mark Wahlberg, where like we are trained as viewers to understand is supposed to be the good guy like these are is so the, despite the fact that they are playing say terrorists they shouldn't come to boston <laughs> well like yeah i mean this they like these are very obviously like the bad guys and it and because of the way they're cast mm. and written and and the, the way the film is acted it is impossible for the viewer to understand their crimes as being the actual horrors that they are mm. Mm. And <laughs> Silence of the Lambs, but Buffalo Bill is played by Morgan Freeman for some reason. <laughs> <More or less. laughs> uh, so we, so basically, the, the the events of the of this film are set in motion when um, a, a a man, Victor Kershaw, played by uh, the inimitable Tony Shalhoub, uh, walks mm. into the gym, starts training with Mark Wahlberg, uh, Daniel Lugo. Lugo has a crappy life. He's not banging any of his hot clients. He's like he knows he deserves the the he knows he deserves to be rich because he has the right attitude and everything. 
Yeah, and um, he goes to a get rich quick seminar, well, which he, teaches uh, him. Hosted by the most annoying person in all of American but acting. That's that's jumping slightly ahead because oh, yeah, well, it is because what it is is that he his story of how he got the job at the gym uh, is that he he says I'll triple your membership in three months if I don't I'll quit. But I had some trouble with the law because he used to have the fake identity of David Lowenstein, where he ran a pyramid scheme preying on el- elderly Florida pensioners. Which um, happens in like a three second montage. Yeah. But, and the yeah. guy who's hires him is like, eh, it's fine. Yeah, if this had been if this had been now, he would have had like a scheme like doing subprime mortgages on like houses that didn't exist or something. Of course. Uh, and what I find very interesting again, what I find very interesting is, uh, is in his sentencing hearing for his get rich quick scheme, he makes a speech where he acknowledges his guilt and assumes that because he has acknowledged his guilt and America is the land of second mm. chances, he will be, be found not guilty. He says, it will never happen again. I recognize I use my superior intelligence for non-doing, wrongdoing. And and but now I realize there is no shortcut to the American dream. This is America, land of the brave, and home of the second chances. And then the judge obviously just says guilty. Mm. And um, Mark Wahlberg said, "Oh yeah, I know. I already said I was guilty. So why do you say it?" Which again, <laughs> there is if you want if you want to understand. No, I said that. Why are you saying it? You want to understand? I think there. And again, if you want to understand the, I think there there is quite a bit of the. Um, the small time reactionary, uh, the small time self help reactionary in that speech of mm. no 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 I already I already said I'm a bad guy so just let me go I learned yeah, my lesson it's it's the same thing that's in uh, say uh, the righteous gemstones where where Jesse Gemstone talks to God and he's like well I already know that you've forgiven me for all the stuff that I did and I don't really have any like desire or any need to do less bad stuff. Actually, so I can just keep on like this. Now that I think about this, what that scene really tells us is that Michael Bay doesn't understand how a court works because the judge doesn't say, like the jury says that you're guilty. The, you don't just make a speech and then the judge says that's not how. No, not in a criminal trial anyway. Yeah. Like that. What? <laughs> well, and, Mike, and Michael Bay's America also we have uh, abolished juries again. He is the yeah. uh, accidental. He's the accidental Verhoeven. <laughs> awesome. Um, so essentially, he says. He, he says, Michael Corleone didn't become godfather by working hard. I just want a big fat lawn I can mow until the sun goes down. You, you have cool. that backwards. What he says is oh, yeah. that Michael Corleone uh, became the godfather because he worked oh, hard. Yes, of course. Which is funny mm. because it's like that, that is one of the more knowing things in the movie is his examples for guys who like made it are Tony Montana. Um, <laughs> and Michael Corleone, and he says Michael Corleone made it by working hard and by shooting that guy in the restaurant. But yeah. Michael Corleone inherited. That was the point of the movie. So that's something mm. that you, that's like an insight that you get straight away is that this guy is not at all familiar yeah. with like it's a crazy how this works. That the Godfather was called Don Corleone, and then the next Godfather was called Michael <laughs> Corleone. What are the odds? Uh, so the, what I think is interesting again, if you remember, Michael Bay probably does. Doesn't know that. So yeah. Michael Bay wants, as he thinks that the message is, all the all of the doofus protagonists of this movie's heroes are all fictional characters. What a doofus! But Michael Bay is showing he doesn't he doesn't know he doesn't understand because he's like he doesn't understand those movies either. He doesn't <laughs> understand what they're actually about. Yeah. Um, the, look, The Godfather is about a bunch of cool guys. Yeah. It's the quintessential Michael so, uh, Bay experience, uh, right there. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, Patrick, what do you think of that lawn? I just want a big, fat lawn that I can mow until the sun goes down. I mean, I think it's a very specific manifestation of a very specific kind of American dream. And for the and like that, I actually that that's one of the more cutting lines in the movie, I think, where, where you you realize that like this guy does not actually have grand ambitions and the his ability to reach those actual ambitions is so limited by his fundamental doofiness that there is no path for him, you know? So like this is, I think it's actually one of the kind of unintentionally poignant things about this is like, it would never occur to Michael Bay to say like, maybe the American, maybe the American dream is actually kind of bullshit. If there is no way for like, your average doofus to ever get there because like despite the fact that he's a bodybuilding sociopath like Wahlberg is supposed to be kind of an everyman and if there's no way for the everyman to get there one would think that that might actually be an indictment of the dream as a whole and that's not how Bay reads it or how he portrays it but like you might think that there's something to that yeah, because again, I think this is an issue of Bay portrays it. Bay is only able to portray that as look at this idiot who thinks he deserves a lawn. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, it's like uh, he he like by this point the contradictions have like trickled down so far that even Michael Bay is aware of them, and it's <laughs> and so like he he sets out to make a movie about that, and at every turn he just runs into this wall of. Ideology, right? Of being mm. like, no, it's it's just these guys, right? Yeah. And maybe it says something about our society in the sense that like people want to get rich quick or people are too materialistic or whatever. But it doesn't say anything about like, I don't know, wanting a lawn when half your state mm. is burning down or you know, anything like that. That's where I got a slightly liberal vibe from the politics in the sense of like it's fundamentally a movie about the dum dums and how they do stupid things. And if they just like it's kind of an indictment of them like trying to like get rich but in the wrong way like they're not playing by the rules and like liberals love the rules and in that way i feel that's kind of where it differs from gta because like everything in gta is like a satire of the entire society in which it takes place right gta is like the stupid ads on the radio about fucking pyramid schemes and shit and it's like gay radio (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly yeah yeah that's right it's come town um (laughs) and then there's like you know it's like oh yeah you're doing the job for the housewife who like she actually wants one of her tennis partners murdered because they're too good at tennis or whatever it's like that kind of like it takes those different part like strata of society and sort of like satirizes them rather than just like the dumb crimes guy yeah well and in and, and gta the, the tennis club will be called big furry balls tennis club yeah, exactly like, they, yeah that's so that's cool. an excellent point now yeah, that you mentioned it because the the actual gentry the guys who are legitimately in the gentry in this movie the ones that they kidnap and then murder there's never really anything at their expense like in fact, they quite bravely resist torture and things of that nature. Yeah. The, um, the second one, the uh, the phone sex kingpin, is the one who is the one who actually like calls Daniel Lugo out and says and like says that it, and like correctly identifies him for what he is, which is what leads to the psychotic break and then the guys and then the guy's death. Not to give away the plot of the movie, but like the <clears throat> oh no, the plot of pain and gain. <laughs> yeah, my my yeah, deepest there's, there's apologies. Some crazy twists. Yeah, spoilers. Yeah, it's. It's real M. Night Shyamalan stuff. Yeah, th- like, yeah. But like the harshest criticism that the movie has of that guy is, man, he's kind of tacky. Like he makes yeah. his wife get these gigantic fake tits. It's mm. like, wow, okay. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so basically we have three. So this is what, so basically they say, they say he goes to this seminar, the Johnny Woo seminar by uh, Ken Jeong. He says, mm. don't be a donter, be a doer. 
Um, and it's 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 again, it's like you can see Michael Bay trying to be like, oh, self self help is so is so so stupid. This guy's so stupid. But again, like fail, just failing to understand. It's like he should have gone to good self help, not stupid self help. But again, failing to understand like how fucked up that is. I can't wait for that guy to one day have a serious role, having played Asian guy who shouts in every yeah. single movie. <laughs> I um, just yeah, but like n- nobody ever goes to these self help seminars because they're desperate, right? They go, or they're being taken advantage of. They go because they have this uh, this Greek tragic flaw. When he's being mm. interviewed for the job as a personal trainer, he says, I read a lot of biographies, and one thing about great men is their reach always exceeds their grasp. So that's why you go to the self-help thing, is because you're kind of dumb and hubris. Yeah, I mean, the, their reach always exceeds their grasp is like an absolutely sick tattoo that a Navy SEAL would have, 100%. <laughs> um, so he said, so the plan is find a guy with money, take everything he owns, and make America a better place. Oh, yeah, and, and also find the guy with money, smash cut to Tony Shahoub shouting his mouth off about money while wearing a massive Star of David necklace. This <laughs> oh, movie yeah. was co-written by fucking Stone Toss. Oh, yeah, <laughs> well, I think the, uh, the, the if my comparison, right, is again, like, because Michael Bay is very stupid, he's suggesting he's he's too stupid to be anti-Semitic. I th- I think he is. Um, I I I would never suggest such a thing, but I think more like Michael Bay is the ki- is the he's kind of director capable of being anti-Semitic. <laughs> right, <laughs> writes a, 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 a movie now like this. Riley like into this. like libel, whichever way he answers. <laughs> Michael <laughs> Bay sues us. I am quite. I am more than able to be as anti-Semitic as I like. Uh, but on, on that basis again, he's like it's it's like he saw the he saw the triumph of the will, and the his only takeaway was the sweeping camera work. Yeah, mm. I mean, I think like that's an interesting point to bring up, right? Because I think that the the Jewish businessman character is like I can see, you could definitely read an anti-Semitic portrayal into it, but I do think you're right in saying so it's too dumb for that. He's he's just doing like Jewish Guido. Like yeah. I'm sure that guy exists. Like that kind of like that guy exists of every nationality, right? Mm-hmm. Like trashy everyone businessman. has Guidos. Yeah, uh, but so uh, they say so the they 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 say to complete the plan of this intensity, we will need another operative, uh, and which is where they recruit the Rock. Who's mm. a um again ma- more big massive guy. than either of them? One of the biggest mm. guys you've ever seen. Yeah, um, Riley style. They're just like fanning themselves yeah. as they look at the rock. <laughs> uh, and they uh essentially they say, look, you just got out of prison. Um, and he says, mm, I don't know. And then he's staying at a church where the pastor of the church like makes a pass at him, and he punches him in the head and says, "I'm going to do the crime. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, do the crime because someone was yeah, gay near me." Mm. That's funny because he's homophobic because he's a Christian, yeah. right? Yeah, the, be gay, do crime. Gay radio. Yeah, gay radio. Uh, so, um, they, you know, they, there's various like going to churches and like lying to strip, going to churches, going to strip clubs. Damn, I've been infected by the satirical <laughs> spirit of pain and gain. What Whoa. if a church was a strip club? Whoa. Um, and uh, meet a meet a meet a stripper who they say they're they're going to direct music videos for or whatever. You know, again, more more just like low scale lying hucksterism. Mm. Um, where they say the plan is simple. They're going to snatch him, grab him, give him a protein shake, have him sign over everything he owns. He's out the door. He doesn't even know he's yeah. been crimed. And what- parts of this film are like the like a dumb version of Boogie Nights, and the other parts of this film are like a dumb version of Burn After Reading. <laughs> um, I th- you know, Coen Brothers with a head injury is, I think, about yeah. right. But I think well, I want to pause here on the on the plan, which is just, yeah, we're going to snatch him, grab him, give him a protein shake. We'll be rich, and he won't even know he's been robbed, which is the just sheer relentless 
optimism. And again, I think that it's what Michael Bay is trying to say is, haha, these guys are so dumb. But what I saw is like the total, what I said interesting about that, right, is the the total failure to to manage risk and how and the yeah. and the sort of social it's, transformation we've undergone over the last it's something like, that cannot imagine negative consequences yeah. happening mm. to you, the protagonist of reality, which is somewhat undercut when you make them the protagonist of the movie. <laughs> mm. uh, but like, I think what and this is sort of Patrick, where I'll throw to you, right? Is the 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 idea that you can't imagine negative consequences, and so your just willingness to take any kind of risk. Reminds me of, you know, anti-mask protesters or anti-vax protesters or the people who want to, like, the people who want to do the next invasion because, oh, it'll be fun. Nothing could go wrong. It's Britain. It's America. You know, we're actually just going to win. We don't need to plan. We're not going to manage risk. I want to know how you how that. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the fire festival guys who are like, like, fuck it. Let's just do it and be legends. Right. It's the the idea. Mm. And this is the point, like one of the movies, very few like kind of jabs at not quite self-awareness, but a broader awareness is when um, they're trying to extort uh, Kershaw, the the rich businessman. And he's like, no, you're, you're fucking idiots. You, you didn't go to college like and that that's the that's the reason why they why they haven't successfully climbed the hierarchy. Uh, and but like there's there's this thing in there where. And and I think this is true of broader society as well. But like, well, like exactly what you mentioned—the idea of being the protagonist of your own reality, where like you're always the hero. There, there's no there. The and whoever is opposing your goals is always the villain. That there's no and and that the story has to have a rise a fall. It has to have kind of rising action and falling action. It has to it has to hit that structure, and there has to be a resolution to it. And I think that's like what everybody keeps waiting for in our current political moment, like even if we're not subject to the particular idea that we could never do anything bad, the idea that the stories that we're a part of have to have that kind of narrative structure, I think is a very deeply rooted pathology. Absolutely. You, you mean to say that Trump won't be dragged out of the White House by the Secret yeah, I, Service? I, no, by the good Republicans. Yeah, I saw, that, I saw the, <laughs> that tweet last night where some, where like I think it was Variety, uh, like they asked Aaron Sorkin to write his ending for the Trump presidency, and Aaron Sorkin's ending for the Trump presidency was all the good Republicans who have been enabling him march off to the White House and say, "Sir, you're not doing this anymore. You're going to have to leave on November 3rd. Mr. Trump. You're yeah, fired. Like, Aaron, I have learned nothing from the last 20 years of reality, Sorkin. It's his job not to. He's yeah. been very well just, compensated. Just an now. absolute but, dullard's perspective. Yeah. But no, think- the, the resolution to the current narrative arc that we're on is Alan Dershowitz becoming the next Supreme Court justice. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> Joe Jorgensen's going to ele- get elected. Exactly. That um, is the fitting conclusion no, to but, all of this. But I think this is, and that's where I think that this idea of the of being the protagonist of reality, right? If we want to like go back to that, like the, this as the third in a three part series of system, institution, individual, mm. it's that the end of the end, and it's well, you can't just say it's down to bad guys doing institutions wrong because that's an Ann Applebaum um, you know you're a bad guy the same thing in reverse Mm. is that these are it it is it is if you want to imagine the individual it's people who have been conditioned to think that the protagonist of reality nothing really can go that wrong for me and so even though my life already sucks crucially also well in many for in many cases for the uh, for the the local gentry that we're talking about for these small people who are in charge of running various institutions for the bureaucrats who are allowing who are allowing their institutions to rot i suspect quite a bit of it is just people is just the idea that 
if we live in a society that is built to manage risk, which is sort of what we've been doing since the 1990s, there's no more grand thing to accomplish. There's no more moon left to go to. We don't have to. The Soviets aren't going. Why would we? Mm. All we're going to try to do is manage the risk of what comes in front of us. That institutional rot has, I think, been perpetrated largely by people who think they are the protagonists of their reality, uh, the QAnon people, the... The, the, yeah. the, and crucially, the DNR investors, the local, the boat station, the boat store owners, the state senators. But, by, but doing that because the material things, the institutions, the economic forces have given them up until now, no reason to doubt that. Yeah. To have absolutely nothing other than colossal, monstrous self-regard. Yeah. And so therefore... All of these institutions that were built in a risk management framework are being managed by people who believe that they are the good guys and the yeah, protagonists. Like, also, the, the, and this is where we, as on the left, should differ from Bay, right? Is the like this nowhere? Isn't... We should not differ from Bay. <laughs> Never differ this, from this Bay. Is, this is not like a moral failing on their part, or it might be, but that's not the important thing. It's not a case of degeneracy or venality. It's something that has been created by a set of policies and a set of economic conditions. So rather than just being like, oh, these guys are dumb, and stopping there, we should ask perhaps why we keep selecting for dumb guys okay so i have i have two capital t takes the first is that as regards the protagonist of your own reality thing like that's also a brain disease that affects the center left in really distinct ways and it comes back to the sorkin thing where like you remember in cory like the the review that cory robin wrote of the of all of the obama staffer books where he was like and he was talking about how they all saw themselves as west wing characters and that's exactly that yeah. Sometimes overtly. Yeah. Yeah. That they told mm. this was like, this is where Toby sits or whatever. And it's like, no, man, yeah. that, that's where you what sit. Was it the Vox guys. It was uh, it was Matty Glacius uh, and the other Vox dullard. I can't remember his name. We're like, I was like CJ. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, cool, man. Yeah. But that's exactly. I mean, is there a more explicit example of seeing yourself as the protagonist of reality than literally mapping your real world job onto what you see in the West Wing or what you thought you saw in the West Wing. Like your particular yeah, they think they're in the West Wing, but actually they're in the thick yeah. of it. Yeah. Actually they're in pain and game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's that's my first take on that is like that I think that's a really widely afflicting brain disease that comes out in in a variety of contexts. The second is as regards the individual in our current moment of, you know, kind of broad broad-based collapse, that there are always people who do just fine out of collapse. There are groups that do just fine out of collapse. There are people that not only maintain their position, but enhance their position at times when um, when things are kind of broadly falling apart. Like if you're, if we're like, just to throw this back to the end of the Roman Empire, if you're a Vandal warlord living on the Danube in like 450, the fall of the Roman Empire or the end of like Roman state control of a province is a fucking fantastic opportunity for you. You're going to do great out of that. You and your you and your comitatus, you and your warband, like you guys are living large. Like the Daniel Lugos of of the fifth century did great. Those guys those guys made out. Yeah. You know. So and like this particular class of kind of local gentry, even as you know, the standard of living for broad swaths of the population falls apart, even as the environment, even as environmental conditions degrade and life gets worse for a huge number of people in this country. Those people might not just maintain their standard of living. They might do better. 
like there might be more opportunities for them. And so mm. any sort of attempt to reconcile kind of the social with the individual has to recognize that there are going to be people whose individual or kind of like small scale class interests do not um, cohere with those of society as a whole. Like if we're trying to if we're trying to come up with solutions, ideas, um, pitches for for the broad swath of people, we have to recognize that they're going to be people who are who just like that is not where their interest lies. And they can see very specifically like the beautiful boaters are not going to do better mm. in a world uh, in a in a hypothetical Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez presidency. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Yeah, and I think, in fact, if we to bring it back to the movie, the next scene uh, really illustrates that point where the guys walk into a gun store because they're like, well, we're going to need some guns if we're going to kidnap this guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, Can't do anything without guns. Uh, they, 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 the, the gun store owner uh, who says, uh, sorry, those guns are police only, while uh, Lugo effortlessly lying just says, oh, yeah, we're Tampa PD. Um, then obviously when challenged uh, it takes the rock lying that they are security for christian rock band striper mm. um and uh the the lie being told and as a brief aside there's just a scene where um uh uh, uh where uh, uh, adrian just tases the gun store owner who's like come on i get tased all the time i love it and it's just yeah an extraneous scene of being like yeah he tased that pussy and michael bay's like supposed to be meaningful um personal film which is just great what i what a what a what a get what a blessed life i was but, just sort of just thinking that in a way like the the protagonists of this movie they're a bit like characters like maddie bevilacqua and mikey palmisi in the sopranos in that they're like oh, dumb Sean guys Gismonti? yeah they're Not like dumb, dumb guy dumb guys who do violence and it always ends badly for them because they're just like pawns of like a much larger thing that's going on and they don't realize like the disdain that everyone else has for them but except that like michael bay is unable to examine that like <laughs> well, he's no, just because like, it dumb is guys. christopher moltisanti's screenplay yeah, i yeah, must yeah, be yes. loyal to my carpo <laughs> but what I, what I noticed right is that he says at that moment i knew i assembled the right crew stone cold ballads from the old school Saying the best way to do a human extraction in a location like this is we move from the point A to five seconds to the blue zone. Delta Force could do a mission like this in 54 seconds, but with our superior fitness, we can pull it off in 40. <laughs> and I think, and, 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 you know, the, and he's obviously talking bullshit, but The Rock's character is like, I had no idea how Daniel Lugo knew all this stuff. And to your point, Patrick, mm. in a world of broad based social collapse, that, those, those characteristics, that relentless optimism, that self-delusion, in fact, on the part of many people who are driving that collapse, is also very adaptive for them. It's, you know, it's like the joke about you don't have to outrun the bear, you just have to outrun your friend. You don't have to be able to convince everybody you're smart, you just have to be able to convince large men that you're smart. <laughs> and, exactly. so like a, and so a Visigothic ducks or whatever almost certainly would have been, if he said, actually, uh, Jupiter came, Ju or whoever our Visigothic god is, uh, he said that actually I was the most swift-footed, and I believe that with our superior uh, wolf pelts, we will be able to uh, raid this a you know Roman encampment location in under thirty seconds. Yeah, you know, like some some British guy says that he wants to hire us. His name's Dave Courtney, <laughs> right? So this and this, so this. I think this the willingness to do violence and capacity for self deception is actually like very adaptive. Yeah. It's like the there is there is always in a in a time of of social breakdown there is always a place for hot dog necked guys, 
And that's like that. I, I would say that that's like a maximum, a, a maximum of human history is like in in times where mm. things are falling apart, like dudes who are just willing to swing a baton really hard, they can find something to do. And <clears throat> like and especially yeah. if they don't if they don't think too hard about things and kind of blindly accept authority, which is like part of the tragedy of pain and gain is the fact that Daniel Lugo ropes these uh, like ropes these two idiots into doing his bidding. And like, but there's a lesson there, right? Is that like in that, in that small scale hierarchy, he's the alpha. And because he, because he has seized this leadership role, despite his manifest failings, they do what he tells him, they do what he, he tells them to do. Like there's, there's some shit in there, even if Michael Bay is not capable of, of getting to it, that like, there are people who respond really strongly to kind of authoritarian appeals as long as somebody can demonstrate like that they're whatever the rules of that hierarchy are, whatever the rules of that particular system are, as long as you can demonstrate that you're at the top of it, then there are people who will follow you. Right. Like, fuck, this guy kind of is Dave Courtney. (laughs) He's, he's, he's got loads of big guys. He wants to be like cool, but in like a really like small scale way, he's like really bad at being a criminal and like makes no effort to hide how illegal everything he's doing is. But my favorite part of the film in that regard is when they try and return the chainsaw to home Depot (laughs) because they broke it, but it's still like covered in human hair. (laughs) Yeah. No one notices. Yeah, it is the uh, it is America it is American psycho for the post twenty ten conservative movement, mm-hmm. um, right? So I I'd like to skip ahead just a little bit. You know they um they end up kidnapping Kershaw after a bunch of you know hijinks basically. Mm. Um, uh, in- included in this is uh is uh the Rock forcibly converting uh Victor Kershaw from Judaism to American even evangelical Christianity while tied up and eating a taco, which again is played for laughs. Mm. Um, great. Uh, various sort of lies and scams and flim flams perpetrated on people's being like, say, lying after lie after lie of like, oh yeah, I was in the CIA in Hong Kong. I lived it for a week in a tree. Uh, actually, sorry, I lied to you, but saying I was a music video director. Actually, I'm a CIA agent. And uh, oh fuck, I need a notary. Blah blah blah. Um, they get him drunk. They think they 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 try to kill him. They almost kill him. Um. And what I find really interesting about the next scene, so we're breezing through like 40 minutes of the movie. It's just, you know, lurid violence and accounting procedures, uh, which is where they have stolen his identity. Mark Wahlberg or Daniel Lugo moves into his house, assumes his his identity uh, or assumes his, says, oh, yeah, Kershaw, he sold it to me. I think he ran off with someone and then immediately starts a neighborhood watch, (laughs) but immediately starts a neighborhood watch and... um, and, That's the American dream right and, there. And tells a bunch of like, you know, 10 year olds that they have to get big pecs so they can get fine Russian pussy, which again, I think Michael Bay is laughing at because of how crass it is. But the problem is he's too stupid to realize that he has tapped into a fundamental, uh, fundamental strain of thinking. In, oh, yeah, um, like American we're, we're well aware of the the deadly effects of Florida self-appointed neighborhood watch guys. Um and it's just that, like, uh, Bay's, Bay's criticism of this is, like, uh, they do cocaine, though. Yeah. Oh, look at look at them. They don't... They, 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 their operator language isn't real. They're not real operators. Yeah, they, they put their yeah. bench press They're in the, long, in the wrong the spot overlooking the water. <laughs> <laughs> um, right? So the, uh, the, the, um, the Neighborhood Watch meeting, again, much like my, in Michael Bay style, is um, three big muscle-bound beefcakes 
uh, handing out pepper spray and like tapping up some dork to be like, okay, you come and attack this like stacked stripper and we'll show you how to defend yourself. Mm -hmm. And all the wives being like, because like Michael Bay, I think just hates everybody who is alive. Yeah, gay radio. It is just a GTA 5 gag. Yeah, it is. The whole thing is just GTA 5 gags where it's like, oh, Starbucks, what do you get? Come in there. Um, Yeah. But essentially, right? That's right. That's what a pumpkin spice latte is. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, But it's the, they say there, this is a very serious serious situation, uh, Lugo says, uh, Mm. addressing the uh, neighborhood watch. There are bad guys out there that are waiting for good people like us to drop their guard. And I think, again, that's where, the philosophy of Michael Bay is very much just nakedly stated. That is true. That is what he thinks. Again, I think you can see this is what Michael Bay is saying, what he really thinks, which is the problem is we haven't defended ourselves adequately against the bad guys who are coming to infiltrate our community. Yeah. The, the, the watchword of lawns and pools is eternal vigilance. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, and the irony of the whole thing is, and I, I seriously, sincerely doubt that Michael Bay thought this far, that the guy that Mark Wahlberg replaces in that neighborhood, the guy that Daniel Lugo replaces, is himself a piece of shit. Just a god awful person who has done terrible things to mm-hmm. get to, to get himself to his position in the local gentry. Like, he is not an admirable figure. And yet. Yeah, and the real life Kershaw went to jail immediately after he was used to put the dumb guys in jail. What a Medicare fraud. Yeah, scheme. indeed. We can actually sort of wheel back to the real the real life situation here, which is this was just a a, a much more a much better movie, one that probably should have been made by the Cohen brothers or the Safdie brothers. Yeah, is 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 this movie about um, a bunch of scammers and violent criminals who are sort of variously trying to use either the law or their sheer physical power to dominate and demean and exp- exploit and expropriate from their fellow man. And, Mike, and where there is this, the guy, the guy who Kershaw is based on is like this Medicare fraudster. Um, he said it was, he, he later claimed he, he, he was found guilty, but he said, oh, it wasn't my fault. Um, the everyone involved, like all of these guys. I said I was like, sorry. Yeah. All the, these guys were, um, all these violent sort of psychopaths who were all like, again, dominating for and working for one another, all running various small time scams and so on. And again, the only story Michael Bay can look at that and tell is uh, those guys thought above their station. Yeah, yeah. Mm. there's this is the thing. I, I mean, this is a little bit tangential, but it but it connects back. I promise when when the libs are like, I don't understand how Trump can say law and order, law and order, law and order when they're doing things that are so obviously lawless. And that's the whole point of this movie i mean to my mind of this movie is is the hierarchy it's that when they're talking about law and order they're talking about maintaining a particular kind of hierarchy with a particular kind of person at the top who deserves to be at the top by virtue of whatever the justification for that is whether it's sheer physical power or or birth or resources what have you it's like that this is that the order part is what matters. And by definition, those people can't do illegal things because of their spot in the order. It's an identity based system of law mm. where like, no, if this, it, of course the cops can't do anything illegal. They're the cops. Like there's, yeah. <clears throat> of course it was right for them playing with the GTA cheat codes. On. Yeah, Of course it was right for them to shoot Brianna Taylor because they were the cops. Like how could they have possibly done something wrong? If you do something to cross that line of authority, you are like, then it doesn't matter what happens to you. You have done something wrong by virtue of having uh, reached the social order. 
Yeah. Uh, in groups who the law protects but does not bind, and out groups who it binds but does not protect. But like for Michael Bay, what's funny is that in this movie, what seems to be the criterion for being legitimately in this gentry is um, just like being smart. Like uh, you, you didn't go to college, is what he tells Lugo at one point. Or like the, the second guy, uh, just who just sees straight through him because like he, he has presented him with this kind of cockamamie business plan uh, that ultimately leads to the like the double murder it, it, it seems like as with Sorkin wh what like what entitles you to this position is uh, competence and therefore mm. if you find yourself in this position you must be competent yeah, yeah. No one, no one incompetent has ever been successful. <laughs> no, it's like, like it. the, it's like the mandate of heaven, right? If <laughs> if you lose that competence, then you know, Mr. Trump, you're fired. But like, uh, until then, so long as you can still maintain that kind of that set of norms and that set of like uh, social positions, then you will be assumed to be competent until proven otherwise. Yeah. Mm. I went to college. Where's my American dream? <laughs> I don't uh, own a sandwich well, store. I think it's that My Michael Bay is uh, just Michael Bay just very easily impressed by like people. Like Michael Bay is the kind of person who, if you say you're in Mensa, he will be impressed rather than you know pity mm. you for paying a subscription fee for a certificate that says you're. Clever. Oh yeah, well th this is a movie about dumb guys by a dumb guy. Yeah, <laughs> which is yeah. which is why it's so fun. Well, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, as yeah. I say. Uh, so essentially, right? They they get hungry again. They need to they need to steal steal more, and so. They go to this uh, this phone sex king, who again is this tacky guy, uh, Griga or some such. Um, mm. And yeah, they they pitch him an opportunity to in, to own all of the phone sex in India. But again, obviously being sort of so just outsourcing your phone sex chat line yeah. to India, Number along one. with every other call center, yeah. <laughs> just like right next to like AT and T customer support is just the phone sex chat line, and it's just the same guys but yeah. a different script. <laughs> Where it's um, I, I, again, also I uh, I, I it's as though they don't already have Romeo dialing. You can't privatize that. Mm. Um, but right, it's um, they again just says yeah, you seem like a nice guy. I'd like to get a beer with you, but your business skills are kind of lacking. And then he calls Lugo an amateur, um, and you know, in his moment of tragic fall is when Lugo then kills him with a dumbbell, essentially. Mm. Um, and after that, it stops being this like psycho, psycho, psychodrama of lurid colors and you know, steroids and coke and fake boobs and just Michael Bay trying to be smart, which is funny. Um, it then just becomes a morality tale about how the American dream is difficult. So I don't really care about all of that, but. Um, the the whole idea of trust what he says around when this happens he says trust between a trainer and his client is sacred to break that is to break everything i believe in regarding fitness in america and again it's that bay again has said something the kind of thing that a lot of people i think one of the things that lugo does throughout this movie is identify things that are good for him with things that are good for america like oh america america wants me to steal the money from kershaw cuz he's an asshole uh, America wants everyone to do what I say. America yeah, well, wants me to bang this Again, it's the, it's the self-justification produced by those material conditions. It's why the Righteous Gemstones gets to, like, from a different place where it's, Jesus wants me to have this. Yeah. Mm. Um, you, you get to, America wants me to have this. Yeah, and again, it's like, Michael Bay has written a movie about how people who say this but don't have the right skills, and you can tell they don't have the right skills and they don't deserve it because they don't already have it, um, are bumbling around, fucking up, and committing murders, trying to get it. 
But the implication there, right, and what I think is the core of what makes this a fascist film, mm-hmm. a, a, a film that does not understand how fascist it is, is the, um, the, the idea that, like, A, he, is just, he says, no, America doesn't want Lugo to have it. America wants you, uh, you know, Mr. Boat Dealer, who's got, you know, a million Iraqi dinars and another million along, on the way. America wants you to have all of this. Well, like, um, at the end, Lugo addresses the viewer, and he's like, well, I just thought I could be like you. Uh, Michael Bay's imagined audience. Yeah, Michael Bay, again, the Michael Bay's imagined audience of guys who own three car dealerships outside of Akron yeah, but and, not are, swole. and are preparing for a coming holy war. One of my favorite Wikipedia details about this film when I was reading about it after watching it, because I kind of watched it in a bit of a fugue state, which I feel like is the only way you can reconsume this film, is that so the real life Daniel Lugo was Puerto Rican American, right? And then they're like, uh, now in the film, he is portrayed despite this as Irish American. And I'm like, but they don't change the name. No Irish American has ever been called Daniel Lugo. So therefore, the the assumption is that simply if you're being played by Mark Wahlberg, you must be Irish American. You are retroactively converted. You are in in after death. You're converted to Irish. It's like the ceremony to become Irish. It's like the thing the Mormons do. What you can do is like have. It's like the thing the Mormons do, where they uh, where they convert people after death. Same deal. (laughs) Although I was about about to joke that like, well, you could have just had him do a like stereotypical Hispanic voice, but he does that in the movie. In order to disguise his identity, he like adopts a kind of like Hispanic voice. It's very strange. Mm. Well, again, it's the, I think this is, by way of wrapping up, like Michael Bay heard about this, learned no details about it. Just heard the names and the broad stroke of the events. Said, "I want, I want the biggest guys possible," which means the Rock and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. He's like, "You're a big guy for you." I'm gonna, yeah. re- I'm gonna retroactively uh, <laughs> change Daniel Lugo to be a, 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 a sort of happy-go-lucky Irishman instead of a, you know, sociopathic dude. And and it is again, is essentially it is a, it it is it is an a, an, an outing by Michael Bay where. He was too stupid to realize what he was doing and accidentally created an indictment of the society in which he lives. That's the... Oh, no, I hate it when that happens. That's the best kind of shit because, like, it's it's so unintentionally revealing in the same way as, like, if you're a historian and you read, like, a, like, like a medieval court record, right, where it's just, like, people giving witness testimony about, the, about their neighbors and the shit that annoys them and things that they want to bring lawsuits over, where, like, you read between the lines of that and you figure out, like, how people think society is supposed to work. Like, this Michael Bay movie mm. is exactly the same goddamn deal. It's, like, him thinking that hierarchy is good, local gentries are good, the people who, the people who succeed are people who deserve to succeed, and the only problem with that is when doofus bodybuilders try to usurp the, the God-given... Um, constitutionally mandated hierarchy that defines American society. Mm. Yeah, and then they get sentenced to death. Yeah, yeah, and they that's all the American sen- way. They do sentenced to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're still on death row. Yeah, yeah that's that's like what it kind of comes slamming into the actual reality of America at the end, where you're like, uh, and this guy got 15 years, and then you get a fun interstitial. Daniel Lugo sentenced to death. 
And it's like, mm. oh yeah, they're gonna fucking like spend two hours trying to jab hypodermic needles into this guy until they find a yeah. vein big enough to kill him. Yeah, because yeah, like, he's too, he's too, he's done too many steroids yeah, over yeah, the years. Exactly. All of his veins have collapsed. He's too jacked to be executed. They have to commute the sentence. Like yeah. again, the, the like the actual story of this, which involves a lot more like uh, dismembering with chainsaws and the death penalty, is much darker and much more American. I would suggest than what Michael Bay has produced, which is this kind of like flashy, uh, extremely dumb movie. Mm. And my my example of this is something that I want to use for our outro music, which is that the private investigator, who in this movie is played by Ed Harris, uh, who blows the whole thing open and who like which is a shame for Ed Harris. <laughs> yeah, I know. Who is otherwise like, a good actor. Yeah, yes, but like the, this kind of craggy Florida ex-cop who restores the position of uh, the gentry and sets everything right again. The real guy that that's based on wrote a country and western song about it in, in an attempt to get some money Excuse out me. of the whole affair. Yeah. Well, I will play us out with that. It's a real thing. The ballad, the ballad of Danny Lugo. And and I think that right there is the sort of um, lurid and almost fun celebration of uh, of death at the hands of the state. The way that the the way that Michael Bay ends this movie with like a picture, a real mugshot of Daniel Lugo, almost like surrounded in electric blue and yellow colors, just kind of like flashing like a nine like a nineties um, teen show. Daniel Lugo sentenced to death. <laughs> it's just this. Yeah. It is this is for me like. The, these are the hallmarks of of the fascist aesthetic is making is is uh, on the one is where death is glorious when it's engaged in by our brave boys the transformers uh death <laughs> is comical when it is visited upon uh those who those who do society wrong like daniel luga yeah because like yeah, that's right. <laughs> lugo's at the end of the day, in Bay's conception, Lugo's crime is not what he did to to Kershaw or what he did to the or, or what he did to the porn kingpin. The, like his crime was trying to usurp the status hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Like the murder was yeah, just his, his a crime was not going to call. Yeah, him. the murder the murder was just ancillary to that. Like that was just that was what he got convicted for. It wasn't his actual wrong. Yeah, in in Michael Bay's conception of the world, there is a class system, but not in the sense of like, you know, economic class, in the sense of like choosing a class in a video game. And his class is big guy. Yeah, he tried to respect. Yeah, he's allowed to lift things and knock doors down and stuff like that. He's not allowed to own a business. No, that's not that's not you. Um, But sort of by by way of summary, right, um, this is. This is a deeply strange movie that I I recommend you watch if you want to like feel as though you've been sort of put into a human-sized paint shaker for a while and then given mm-hmm. a protein shake. Yeah. There's a, there's a fun bit where uh, before, the, uh, just after they've killed the porn kingpin guy, and then they're going to go, they're going to him and uh, Mark Wahlberg and The Rock are going to go on this like quick mission to go and like rob the guy's safe. And then Mark Wahlberg just starts like doing bicep curls and he's like, i got to get a pump on before we do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The pump. It's like, damn. Yeah, go, go Dude, do it. Dude's do it. in One The Rock. More. Yep. Yeah, you got it. One more. Don't worry. You'll get off. It's fine. Yeah. Like, um, this is this is like the the one part where I sympathize with this movie is that it finds big guys, big dumb guys, extremely funny, which is true. That's yeah, accurate. Right, right. I like to think about the bodybuilding.com thread about how many days in the week there are that ran for mm-hmm. months. <laughs> <laughs> um and you know, I mean, I think there are th- this is this is a movie that that interests me. It's a movie that I think has 
a, a lot where Michael Bay kind of, because he's very stupid, tapped into something that he didn't understand he was tapping into. He was tapping mm. into a social or a very rigid hierarchical social order. He was also tapping into a kind of, you might say, the the Daniel Lugo type of um, protagonist of reality, risk taking character. He, he that's, found a guy that seems to be, you might say, in charge of quite a few things now mm. because uh, you know that it's not just bad people that have that um, protagonist of reality risk taking um, uh, characteristic. It's just a lot of people have that because of their material conditions. He tapped into that without realizing it or without thinking about it that much in part of his stupid movie. And I think it's it's one of these films that leaves you with the sense that like he did he again he, yeah he understood this but he was too stupid to understand what he was understanding. Mm. And so we have this very confused, very strange but very very memorable <laughs> Uh, piece of filmmaking. It is not memorable. I will not remember this. That, that is an amazing analysis of Michael Bay as a guy who understands things but never knows what it is he's understanding. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a very good... Uh, Riley, can you give us a wine pairing for this movie? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to say the, the wine pairing for this one is the Au Bon Climat um, Pinot Noir. It is an, mm. uh, a, but you have to drink it out of a paint shaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it has to be shaken like up. A so running it paint in one of those like, big like, uh, muscle milk containers. <laughs> um, and again, yeah, I feel like the, the keystone to this film, and uh, Patrick, tell me if I'm wrong, is you have to understand that in real life, these guys are all uh, Republican members of Congress. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. or they're like, or they're Instagram stars. There's no, there's no in between. Yeah. Like, mm. and they own operator <laughs> coffee companies. Yeah. They, they, it's like the, uh, Sometimes some of them are invading yeah, Venezuela. Green, the uh, yeah. Green AR Coffee Company that uh, it sells yeah. it sells tactical coffee for seven times the normal price. Yeah, that's like that's these. Not. But like, <laughs> it, it is kind of funny. And I, I I wish at some point, like I should I should write a thing on this. Is the way in which social media has enabled this particular kind of person to do exactly the kind of thing that the protagonists in this movie would like to do, but actually make a living off of it. And yeah. that's oh, like yeah. Q stuff. <laughs> Iraqi dinos. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, but that's hilarious to me is like the world is more like this now than it was. It has given people like this who are willing to just like be there, be out there doing the thing, um, a variety of new ways in which to actually in which to actually make asses of themselves and, and like very temporarily find material success. Yeah, and but, uh, again, it's so funny that like he has identified this kind of guy mm -hmm. who is winning, who is running rampant at the moment, and yet the actual people that he's making a movie about were not this type no, of guy at, at all. all. <laughs> they were just like dead-eyed psychos who were like chopping mm. people up with chainsaws yeah. in order to like uh, get them to sign their Lamborghinis it's over. A, the guy, the guy, the actual guys had much more, let's say, the personality type of Mitt Romney than the personality type of Greg Stubbe. But he mm. nevertheless he nevertheless made the movie about the guys with the personality type of Greg Stubbe, the cheerful foot soldiers of fascism. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, I think that may be about all we have time for today. Um, Patrick, final judgments. <laughs> what do you think of this movie? Uh, How many buckets of popcorn? Um, I, I'm not sure what kind of scale we're operating on. Like, I suppose it depends on the size. The buckets of popcorn. I, well, scale. okay, but yeah, but like as how, many buckets as how you big want. is the bodybuilder who's yeah. who's eating the buckets of popcorn? I suppose is my real question. Uh, here. Okay. I, <laughs> 
Uh, it is. It's me, but when I was doing CrossFit. Okay. Give it a number of a number of. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say 10. it's. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say it's six and a half out of ten. Uh, be simply yes. for the because if you are a dumb person who watches this, you can just have a great experience doing it. And if you're mm. a smart person who watches it, you can also have a great experience watching it in an entirely different way. <laughs> Okay, so in that case, uh, with the final judgment received, six and a half buckets of popcorn for me in 2013 when I was doing more CrossFit, and this movie was made. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is the perfect. This movie was made for you specifically. <laughs> this was a direct to Riley movie. This was. Yeah, this was, it, it contains a lot of big guys for you to look yeah. at, appreciate. A lot yeah. of big stoops. Yeah, a lot of big guys. Um, guys who were yeah, just uh, here's an idea. Stooby Dan. It's a Steely Dan cover band where they're all huge guys. <laughs> cool, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Stooby Brothers. <laughs> the Stooby Brothers. Yeah. No, I prefer Stooby Dan. That could that could that that has so many uh, of my interests. Stooby Doo, a bunch of bodybuilders investigating crimes. Um, but uh, but the the crime is that they don't have enough likes on Facebook or like their yeah, emails yeah. are not working properly. And they take the mask off, and it was them all along. <laughs> mm. um, but like that—that that, that is the re- that is the difference between these guys and the Stooby. Is the purest form of the Stooby is getting arrested by a government agency you didn't know existed, like the National Institute for Standards and Technology Police. Whereas yeah. these guys just got arrested by like the regular cops who investigate murders yeah. and are therefore wrong. not Stoobs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no. These guys they, do more so interesting crimes. Stoobies. Yeah. yeah. Why, why, why couldn't they have gotten into a scam to try and like change the weight of the standard kilogram? <laughs> you know, what? I yeah. want to see the movie about about uh, Daniel Lugo's pyramid scheme. Yeah, like yeah. smuggling in illegal like supplements inside, like you know, uh, those like Chinese waving cat things or yeah. something like that. That would be a good scheme. <laughs> yeah, Michael Bay, are you what, listening? What, what, the way I described the Stooby guy is, if you remember from the Kafava Commission that investigated the mob, this appears in the Godfather too. They had all of the big organizational charts with like, uh, say. Uh, Gambino crime family, right? The Stooby guy is his portrait is at the pinnacle of one of those boards, but the board is in the headquarters of like the Department of the Interior. <laughs> yeah, the Fish and Game Inspectorate. Exactly the small the small time scam. Uh, small time yeah. scam. Unit. He's brought in so much salmon jerky and gym equipment. <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, I think it falls to me now to say thank you to the listener for listening. Uh, thank you to Patrick very much for coming on, making this your third appearance. Thank you so much for having me. It is always a pleasure. Yes. Uh, mm. And uh, like Love I to said, do some big guy analysis. <laughs> yeah, lo- Loki, one of my favorite guests. Oh yeah, mm. high key for me. Um, so I think you, if you're listening to this, you really should check out Tides of History. Um, you should subscribe to uh, Patrick's Substack. You should subscribe mm. to the Discontents as well. You should get absolutely swole as yeah. fuck. Get as big as Patrick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get, get as big as you can. Our outro music is Ed Dubois, this private investigator from Florida's yes. Pain and Gain Retribution yeah. song. Listen to it in the gym while you're getting jacked. Yeah, you have to get bigger. Yeah. Yeah, all you right. You must. You simply as, must. As a TF listener, get bigger. Don't don't let Greg Stuby <laughs> take being big away from us. Exactly. <laughs> when we get live shows back, I don't want to see any one of you motherfuckers able to fit through doors. Absolutely. Got to walk through sideways. I want to see you all yeah. yeah, I want to see you all buying clothes from the big and tall store. Get yeah. get shaped like a trivial pursuit wedge. <laughs> not a single, not a single sleeve. Do I want to see on a t-shirt? <laughs> all right, real, real smart big guys are shaped like a trivial pursuit wedge. <laughs> because although I'm jacked, I also know lots of trivia. I know lots of stuff about arts and entertainment. Yeah, in yeah. 1997, yeah. I can tell you who won the FA Cup in 1996. <laughs> all right, later, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.